welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, man. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Um, most people right now would not be up if they did not have to. We're up. Some of the people that are up downstairs are like walking zombies right now. <laughs> day f- is it day four? Yeah, day three. Three and a half. Day, day three and a half, yeah. Yeah, day so, three so and a half. I've said that so many times at camps. Each day, just like, it's like a filter. Day one, everyone's partying hard. What, what was nice is by last night, all the like camera guys that were just super loud until like <laughs> one in the morning. They're not even out of bed right they're, now. They're done training. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what kind of emotional roller coaster has this been? It's been good. Uh, it's been good. I, I mean, you definitely get some some ups and downs, but it's every bit of it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it is. It's awesome. It's I don't know. You know, I'm not a super emotional person. Really? You know? So as things are going on, I'm I'm just sort of watching and and experiencing them you yep. know, more than anything else. So for me, you know, I, I don't get super excited about anything, but I don't get really bummed out about anything. That being said, you know, I was pretty bummed out uh, when when the elk I shot ran away. Yeah. And then I was pretty very very happy to f- that we were able to track it down and and find it so yeah i mean that that's awesome you know that's, i was i was i was just as bummed out when your elk ran away you know i'm like yeah. you gotta be kidding me and and you know we'll go try and track that thing down yeah i wanted i was thinking about that uh five minutes before i got up here i was just thinking you know we got to talk about everything we're experiencing because people learn from it and i'm just gonna put myself out there and say, you know, yesterday we, well, you shot your, your elk, uh, a day and a half ago and just, we ran out of daylight and had to, you know, it just got to be hard to figure out where the blood was going. And then also if you're not sure if they're fully expired, you don't want to roll up on them in the dark when you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So we made a decision. We put flagging tape on, backed out came back in and he was dead within a hundred yards of where we had the, the ribbon on. Yep. And then, uh, I was definitely more excited then than I've been, (laughs) even though I've loved what we've been doing. I was like, (laughs) I was super excited then. And as we're just kind of talking about how freaking awesome it was and, and living through that emotion, the the trail that your bull had come down, I could hear a bugle getting closer and closer and closer. And, and then that last time, I, I thought, this thing's going to come right here. So I stood up and kind of walked over to the edge. and Ten, and lo- ten yards away. From, from your elk. Yep. I look over the, this little rise, and I can just see the top of two cow's ears just going right underneath us. And then I look, and I... I could see, I couldn't see the bull, but I could see the 
steam like shooting out of his nostrils and kind of I could see the wind direction from the steam in his nostrils. So then I kind of repositioned. I grabbed two ranges. The closest tree that I could like establish a good range was was 31. And then the next tree was 49. And the best I could tell where the cows had walked was right between the trees. And I thought, okay, if he comes out and stops and he's like looking around and I'll range him 100%, but I also had to make, you know, a judgment call on what do I think the distance is. And on an elk, it's way easier than if it was an antelope where one or two yards means, you know, everything Mm -hmm. versus an elk, you know, the kill zone's two or three times, you know, vertically different. And then he comes out, I cow call on him, he stops, which I've been at full draw as for, soon as for a long time yeah as soon as i got those two ranges and i could see that his nostril steam coming closer i knew he was approaching this one i really had one gap don't you think that was kind yeah, of the yeah. shot I, I actually was <coughs> not sure you were going to get it because it was so tight yeah and he stepped in the lane i put my 40 yard pin i knew he was i knew, could tell for sure he was definitely closer than that furthest tree but it didn't look like he was that much further from the closer tree. So I thought, okay, he's mid to upper 30s for distance. So I drew back, put my 30-yard pin in the center. My 40-yard pin was essentially right at the bottom of his heart and then made my shot. And when the arrow went in there, I, I looked at you guys and said, heart, you know, mm-hmm. heart shot. And he ran out probably 100 yards, stopped, and I could – I could see some blood, you know, coming out. And the best I could tell, I thought my arrow went, like, right under the armpit where the, on most animals, the hide gets pretty sparse for hair because they kind of wear it off. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I kind of got behind him because he was still walking and then got to the point where I, I felt like I could get another shot off, and I did. And then that time he just mashed the gas pedal and went and honestly and you got him with that second shot too yeah 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 and honestly um i kind of came back and said well let's take care of your elk you know i didn't hear i was waiting to hear mine crash on the hillside and i just thought well dang let's let's live jocko's moment and as soon as like we're done with that. Don't even wash your hands off. We're just going to, you know, like I'm, I'm just going to, all I'm going to do is lay those five meat sacks of yours on the ground and I'm going to sh- get down by my sharpener and hone this blade again. And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to walk a few hundred yards and, and uh, do it all over again. But man, bow hunting, it's not a game of inches. It's a game of millimeters, right? Yeah. No I mean, doubt about it. Yeah, And as good of a shot as I thought I made on the first arrow. And then I was very optimistic after the second arrow. And then that was so polar opposite of, you know, and I guess for people listening, we followed blood, a lot of blood, and followed it for a long time. And then something happened that we're not aware of that got this elk out of, you know, he had bedded three times pretty fast. Something got Ton, him out of that. Tons of blood in every, 
in every betting. Yeah. I mean, just something got him out of that, and then you could tell he was hustling, you know, because the the blood was thinner yeah. going all the way around that rim. <clears throat> and his tracks were fully strided out. Did you notice that? Yeah, it wasn't us, though, that got him out. No, no. Because we were – he had, what, an hour and a half ahead, head start? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think everything – from where we turned around on blood, which we'll have to pick up on today, um, it was – he was easily there before we ever started looking, you know. And I guess if when this podcast comes out, if you see that I got an elk <laughs> – at the end of it, you'll know that things went very favorably, but if you don't see me with one, then I lived the gut-wrenching reality of what this, you know, what this bow hunting is. and It's times of highs and times of lows and a lot of things that are not in your control and unexplained and, you know, anatomy or what direction the blades were turning as it passed by something. You know, I'm sitting there thinking if my if my broadhead entered vertically up and down, there's no doubt I would have – it would have been a completely different situation. But if it went in like – say it went in where one blade's at 10 o'clock and one was at 4 o'clock, yeah. I might have just missed the whole heart or yeah. one of the heart valves, you know. Would you be as obsessed with bow hunting if it was – like easy <laughs> well i don't do the easier bow hunts yeah well, there, there, there you have it yeah so i mean i guess that's the kind of thing that draws with, people to it yeah with anything people there's a lot of people out now, right now that are going out and they're bow hunting for the first time and it one of the one of the posts that i like to read the most is when people tag me and i see them and the first words say like my first ever bow hunt or my first successful hunt. And you see these people that, you know, followed all the protocols that I put out there, follow the instructions. And then they, they go out and have success. And you can tell like that feeling is so rewarding. And for people that have gone out and self guided, tried to figure it all out based on information, realize there's, bad information just like there's good information and they don't have success or maybe their first year you know they hunted where they could but they realized you know my opportunity is very minimal here and they do what they need to do to try to get permission at other places or you know build relationships in other areas where they have higher odds and then when they have success they honestly like I say for a lot of hunters they'll do whitetail and turkeys and then people will try their first elk hunt, and then immediately those people are always like, "I go out west every September," <laughs> because it's you know it's a it's a physically taxing thing. And when you have success with it, even if someone in your group has success, I've been on hunts where, well, like last year with me, Barklow, and and Andy, it was just the three of us out there for that whole week. You know, I think we were three or four days in before anyone had an opportunity. And it was hard. Like, we were we were grinding miles. Andy and I were, I think, between the two of us, <clears throat> since we had been in Alberta and then went to there without success, we were combined maybe 250 miles boots, you know, on the ground without any shots. I think Barklow said he was on his 
tw- six, I don't know, let's just say 15th day, and I think I'm probably, you know, and he said without having a shot too. So when that bull went down, we all went in, and for us, that hunt, it didn't matter that there were other tags because we loved every minute of what ha- had happened, mm-hmm. you know, and it was fully rewarding. But, you know, when I talked earlier about the emotional roller coaster, I want, you know, I really wanted you to have success and I, you know, I wanted you to experience it. But there were a lot of times where we were so close. You know, if you're close, but it doesn't happen, I never, that wasn't a down for me. That was, you know, every time we got back to the car, I was, uh, I said, that was an awesome hunt. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It was awesome. Now, you want to hear something awesome? So, when we drove up for the first time to get out and start, and when we get out of the car, and you can hear the, you could the hear elk bugles just screaming. And I'll tell you what it reminded me of: my first deployment to Iraq, and we went, and it was like probably the second or third mission that I did, and we went to this outstation that was receiving massive mortar attacks all the time. And it was just like a little, a little tiny uh, outstation in outskirts of Baghdad. And every day they would get, every day when the sun would set, they'd get attacked. And so we went out there to like set up sniper positions and, and try and kill these bad guys. Mm-hmm. So we all get there. We got there in the daytime, actually. And we got all kind of set up. But we did it kind of clandestine. We tried to look like we were just like a... a logistics convoy or something which is a little bit hard for us to do but we (laughs) we did our best but you know we pull in there trying to act kind of nonchalant and we get set up and the the sun goes down and they they had the the muslim call for prayer so you hear that noise and you're like and you would get briefed hey after after, because they're not going to attack you during the call but after the call like that's when they're going to come yeah and so you're sitting there on this rooftop and it's just that you hear that echoing, you know, call to prayer coming and you're like, oh, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing in, in Ramadi, you know, my second deployment to Iraq where they would get on the microphones and start like assembling their enemy. You know, the, the insurgents would get on the microphones and start calling out like the same thing, you know, time to fight the Americans. They're, they're calling it out and the interpreters would be saying what they're saying. And it's the same kind of feeling. <laughs> and so when we rolled up there, and because I didn't expect it, you know, I watch a bunch of videos and everyone tells me how awesome it is. But when you hear it, you're definitely, it, it's it's awesome to be surrounded by that. And you just think, oh, it's on. That's the 100% feeling <clears throat> I had was it's on. It's crazy because I was here, I was here um, 30 days ago because I had a mule deer tag too. And I was trying to shoot an elk in full velvet. I mean, it was Dead silence. <laughs> Dead silence. If you, unless you had spotted an elk somewhere with your spotting scope and then made a move or just got into that thick stuff that you knew were bedding areas and just walk, which is kind of what we we did. We just walked in one draw, went across the whole bottom, came up, you know, out of the other draw, and it, it would be several miles. But you're just walking through there, and you would think – well, I know there's elk in here, but this week, right now, now you know, now that you know, they when I called, um, I called here two days before we got here, <clears throat> and they and uh, they said 
we saw our, our, our first bull breed a cow yesterday and and they said and now in one day's time it's like a whole different place <laughs> just mayhem yeah and then f- i think it's easy to say for us it's intensified in three days too <laughs> and as crazy as that is there's going to be a deceleration fairly quick yeah. to where you know which honestly if i was doing what these bulls are doing i'd be the same way i'd be like <laughs> Where's the feed sack? Yeah, because they're just out there getting after it. They're putting out, man, scrapping with each other. Just I haven't seen one up. elk laying down. <laughs> no, honestly, yours is the only elk I've seen off of its feet. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter the time of day. Yeah. Like when we've seen elk or glassed them from wherever. Yeah, they're they're, they're getting after. Yeah, it, man. yeah. It's it's full on. It's like a bunch of eighteen year old boys juiced up on steroids and testosterone and cocaine. <laughs> That's what it seems like out there. And drinking and like every wallow is filled with Red Bull and they're rolling <laughs> yes. in it and drinking it while yeah. they're rolling in it. Yeah. Ugh. It is crazy. No wonder they only live like fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're just it's a tough life. It's oh a tough man. life. You and I were talking about if elk could if elk could somehow communicate logically for one <laughs> f- actually for one meeting for 30 minutes and yeah. they're like okay what are our life's problems these people with two legs they can yeah. be a problem at yeah. times and then yeah. if someone just said hey man we got 12 daggers on our head if you see one just go go <laughs> and just Keep that sucker dangling up on top of there and just walk around with them for a few days. And yeah. there's going to be less of them around. But Car- Carry that trophy human up on your <laughs> up on your rig. Let everyone know what's up. Yeah, things would change fast. Yeah, they would. I think bo- for sure there'd be way less bow hunters. Oh, there for sure would be. <laughs> there for sure would be. You know, we had that scrap going on just above us. And I was thinking to myself, hey, if if this – if one of these guys runs in our directions, in our direction, it's gonna be it's gonna be a situation. I mean, it's gonna be a legit situation. Well, that he may not even know that we're there, but just barrel into us, and it would be a problem, man. That's I shot a bull one time, <clears throat> and when I hit him, he went on that death run, like you know, and he literally like clipped the tree that my collar because i had a collar set up behind me and when i hit him he went full like death run by me and blood sprayed across my buddy's jacket coming out his freaking lungs and he like like scraped the tree that he like kind of ducked behind yeah and that's the reason why you know when we're setting up and that much stuff's going on for your hunt and we'll do a recap on that but your bull was i mean he was doing what he does as a lead as a leader he was just protecting the harem right and then i look i heard a bugle to our left and i knew he was 150 yards away from his scream and then all of a sudden i look and i could see him coming super intently and i said there's a bull coming from the left and you said okay and then all of a sudden i just seen him get this look in his eye like i'm like kamikaze i'm going in and he just mashed the pedal and just ran into the to this group of probably 
15 cows that were 35 yards in front of us. And he just ran in there like, I'm going to get one. <laughs> and he went in and he had it. As soon as he went in, I told you, I'm like, get ready, get ready. Because I could see 150 yards above the group where that bull was kind of protecting. He was kind of shying off another bull that was up higher. He just freaking whirled around, saw that that satellite bull right in the middle of his girls, and then it was just like a, someone chucking a strike at like yeah. with a 15-pound bowling ball as hard as you could throw it. <laughs> he came in and just cows were freaking blowing every direction, and he was – I think he kind of got his horns under that thing's ass and was just like, you're getting out of here. And, I, yeah, I thought they could easily come – this could be a one yard shot, yeah. and the, and he ended up. I think they probably got within thirty, yeah. easy, and then they kind of veered off. And as soon as that happened, I knew we had your cows at our two o'clock, and the head bull at our ten o'clock or nine o'clock. Yep. And he was coming back in, and I knew what he was going to do is he was going to come right back in, and he was going to like get a big loop around mm -hmm. those girls do a and try to security perimeter check. Yeah, and and I thought. This is it. This is totally our our opportunity. So I told you, you know, get your hand. I said, I think I said, get on the get get on your dial or yeah, whatever, because yeah. you're shooting a single pin sight, um, which you can see why that's problematic at times. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I mean, you kind of mentioned it. The one of the key components of the of of my mistake was we when we as soon as we got in a good shooting position. You were looking at the cows, and you arranged them, and you said, hey, those those are at 35 yards. When he comes back, you know, that's probably where you're going to be at. Or that's where it'll be at. Yeah. That's where that's where it is. And so I heard that. And, again, being very concerned about range, yeah. that's, like, the biggest thing on my mind. I go, okay, cool, boom. I And I dialed into 35 yards, and I, I was like, okay, when he comes back in that spot, you know, I should be – I'll be I'll be ready. I'll be ready. So that's kind of what I was thinking. And then, of course, the next checklist in my mind was – getting a green light, you know, to make sure that the, that the bull is mature enough. And there's two bulls up there. And here's another, here's another little thing that plays in. I don't have the, the capability to discriminate myself mm -hmm. between the two bulls. So if you would have told me one bull was good and one was not, I would have required a lot of clarification. I would have been like, okay, which one, which one, which one? So I was, that's became the next most important thing was to identify which bull I could shoot, mm -hmm. and it turned out being both. And, you know, so those, those are kind of things that I was thinking. And the cool thing is when all this thing was going on, I was just kind of processing. I was, just, I was listening to you. I was like, okay, here we go. You know, I was looking at those, the, the areas to shoot. I was thinking, okay, just, just detach and do a good shot. You know, that's, that's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. I was just like, just, you know, the procedures. I mean, I was literally, I did what I normally do. I, like, started at my feet. And they were actually in good position. Like started at my feet. I was mm -hmm. like, feet are in good position. You know, beat. You know, here we go. So that's that's kind of how we got to the point where, where I drew back. You know. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I told you to put your hand on your dial. I was looking at the bull as he was coming from our left to our right, and I'm, I've literally got my rangefinder up. I pulled my bugle tube up into my armpit, so it was like right under my my you know my left side of my chin. And I'm just trying to range, trying to range. And then finally he hits a clearing. I range, and he was 52, and he was right by his cows. So I said, 52. And then 
I bugled, and he, I mean, he just stopped, not not like he was concerned. He just stopped like, oh, someone else is in here for this. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just turned slightly towards his cows, which made him quartering away for you. Yep. And his, and his closest leg to us, like, opened up. It literally went forward the extra step. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yep. This yep. is – there's no scapula, like you don't even have to worry about did I hit a shoulder? Like he just opened that opened the door right up to the boiler room. And then, you know, and this happened in three seconds. The story is already thirty. <laughs> but then as soon as I bugled, I went right back to my rangefinder and I clicked it one more time just to make sure that I had accurately given you the right number. And so I said, fifty two. Yeah. And I saw your bow, you know, coming up to full draw over my left shoulder because you kind of used me as a blocker yep. for your main draw. You, I mean, your arrow wasn't, like, pointing at me or anything. No, no, no. But you used my body as he was coming as the blocker for you to draw. And so as all that was happening, by the time I ranged him that second time and brought my rangefinder down and bugled, I could see that you were really preparing for the shot. And then by the time I was done with that bugle – and pulled my rangefinder up, I could see your bow at full draw right at my 3 o'clock. And so I'm, you know, so I said the number one more time, and I I kind of heard your safety come off slow, mm-hmm. and then I could just, you, your, I was looking at the tip of your arrow, and I was kind of looking at it out of my, the corner of my eye, and there was there was kind of like a leaf right behind you, and I was judging how steady you were based on, you know, I kind of just use an object behind mm-hmm. it as a reference, and I could see your tip of your broadhead just slowly pulling back as you were building tension, but it wasn't like bobbing up and down. I didn't see you like coming up fast, and she, you were just like in there floating around. Just I could see you coming back, and then probably three seconds, your shot went off. I mean, it was like perfect timing. I was, I was trying to do what you've trained me to do. You know, that's well, what you I was did it. To do yeah, you did it. The only, the only. Uh, <laughs> The only issue is I I was The only issue is when you were saying 52 I was waiting to hear that I was cleared hot on which bowl and I you know and again it's it's real easy to to communicate right now when we got like sitting in this quiet room and you're trying to be quiet you know yeah. and what you you know you were saying 52 52 and I I just couldn't hear that well and I I thought you were saying you're fine for two, meaning either one of these bulls that rolls in, you're good. Yep. And so that's that's what I heard. And unfortunately, you know, it's a it's a solid lesson learned because obviously I had it dialed to 35, shot went low, and then it's just, you know, you talked about luck earlier. I was lucky enough to hit a, an artery and low in the leg, low and just let him rage and, save the day. Rage save the day, and you know blood everywhere <laughs> it was it was pretty impressive and and that was that was that um you know and because the hit was was marginal i wasn't gonna bum rush in you know it'd have been yeah. one thing if that thing would have tucked behind the shoulder and bombed off that hill i would have just been like let's go yeah. but i kind of thought we need to be slow and methodical may if he is hurt enough and it's not lethal Maybe he'll stop enough to kind of rally his girls up, and maybe we can get a follow-up shot. So we were being super methodical, and 
probably by the time we got to where I thought he was, I he was probably already there and dead. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, it was like Oh yeah, I mean, well were that we lost he ran hard at one point and crossed a creek. Yep. And I I wasn't super diligent about looking on the other side for blood enough because I was also trying to not blow the cows out that I could still see. Yeah. So I was trying to stay in the cover but look for blood and I decided my instinct told me if he got in this creek and he's hurt, he's going to kind of stay low in the water. Yep. So I went left just out of instinct and realized I haven't seen any blood for 100 yards, so I slowly came back, which probably took me 15 minutes. And then I walked five yards past where I had taken the left, and there's just blood everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> he went this way. you know. I went to a 9 o'clock, and the bullet just went, at a two o'clock and as we're you know following that across an opening and trying not to just blow the whole valley out he was already done you know and we just ran out of daylight on the tracking and also played it safe by saying you know when in doubt back out you know yeah there was it was uh, part of me as we were doing all that was really just watching you and trying to learn about what you were doing and what your thought process was and that was an awesome experience to me, you know, just following you on the blood trail and, and just that whole time, just watching your thought process. You know, what was cool to me is, you know, you got, um, you got, I don't want to use the word excited because you didn't seem excited, but you were like, hey, here's what we need to do. It, it just reminded me of a good platoon leader when something's going on. They're not freaking out. You, you were like, uh, hey, move here. You're like, hold this. And I was like, cool. It was just like a good, what a good leader does that detaches it doesn't get all freaked out and just goes here's what we need to do and you just you just executed you know you're just giving me hand signals it was it was it was awesome to watch it was awesome to be a part of man i uh, it, was, it was that that was that that this is w- what's weird about me like the emotions of like when we found it don't get me wrong man believe me i was fired up i was it was awesome but the experience of all that right there, all everything we just talked about, mm-hmm. that to me was awesome. That was that to me was that was awesome. That was awesome <laughs> to just to go through that. Yeah, and you know, it, like I've been telling people, it's it's awesome. There's that saying it's, we say it a lot in jujitsu: you either win or learn. You yep. know, because you either you either win your match or whatever, or you learn something. Yeah, and this is a situation where I got really really lucky, and I got to learn a lot. And we still got to win. Got a W. <laughs> yeah, so that that feels great. Uh, you know, there's definitely I definitely don't feel excessively great because I know I made mistakes, and that's probably what tampers some of my emotion. Is I just look back immediately and say, "There's there's mistakes that you made that you should not have made," and. I just you know I immediately want to get another at bat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's I what Rogan do a better told job. you. Rogan said. You're going to be even more more hooked now because your shot wasn't perfect. Yeah. Like, it wasn't the perfect thing where you made the shot, you saw it go three seconds yeah. and tip over, and you got to, like, watch it all. You know, ours had a lot of – there was a lot of experienced actioning, you know, action yeah. happening that, that immediately w- following that shot. Yeah. Because that was – you could have handled that 
a lot of different ways incorrectly. And even with mine, uh, when we were tracking mine, I didn't, you know, I kind of felt bad telling you and uh, Corey, our camera guy, I felt bad. I kept, you know, Corey's over my shoulder because he's wanting to capture mm-hmm. the moment of me finding the bull because it, it looked like at any second this was going to be, you know, mm-hmm. I would say from where that second arrow had hit him, I, if, if you would have told yards. me, yeah, yeah, yards. yeah. So Corey was over my shoulder, but once we went that couple hundred yards, I thought, okay, can you fall to the back? You know, if I see the elk, you can come in, and we're gonna we're gonna be happy, we're gonna be good. But I want Mort, who you know he's been here for I think you said eighteen years or something, yeah, nineteen years. So I'm like. I want Mort on my heels and because I need someone that I want to bounce my thought process right then. I needed someone that I just needed someone that I knew had, had the experience to where if I look at him like, do you think blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yep. Then I don't really need to explain what I'm thinking. All I'm doing is saying, and there were times where as soon as we got up to certain types of foliage, I was thinking, he, he is going to feel safe in this and he is going this is like if he's going to lay down right now yep. he's laying down right here and i kind of looked at more and he's you know and he's kind of pointing like be ready right there and i'm thinking yep that's what i was thinking so in those moments it, i needed someone that i trusted would be like in the moment with the, with a fully clear head <laughs> hey I can't even believe you felt bad about that. If you didn't notice, the only, I mean, I just was trying to give you space. The only time I would get on you is when you'd be like, hey, get get close. If I'd point, point yeah. down the so, blood. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, my value at that point is to stay out of your way, you know. I didn't want to do anything that would, I mean, bro, this was my first hunt ever. <laughs> <laughs> I believe me, you're not going to, this is your 8 millionth hunt and Mort's guided this place forever. So it's, it was just no factor to me. I just was, uh, was totally down. And the other thing I want to say is, uh, and you mentioned this already, kind of, you know, you said came back from every, every day that we've gone out and said that was, that was a good hunt, regardless of whether I took a shot or not. And I felt the same way, the same thing that I said about that, those moments, you know, from, from when I did shoot, all those other times where we were setting up, where we were maneuvering, where we're, where we're making adjustments, where we're ch- chasing the wind or trying to get the wind in the right spot and then, you know, looking at what the cows are doing. And you're reading all these things and you're, you're, you're explaining to me quickly like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And to me, that same thing, as all that stuff, I really enjoy that stuff. That's tactics to me. This yeah. is what we're trying to make happen. And that stuff to me was really cool to experience and and that was okay. Was it as cool as taking the shot? It's not as cool, but it's it's as cool. You yeah. know, it's it's like you got to yeah. do that work. You got to you got to figure that stuff out. So all that stuff to me was awesome. Yeah, it's certainly not a battlefield, but it is very much a tactical field. Yeah, you know, you're using terrain. You have to use terrain. Probably the real the real difference, which everyone's talked about, is the wind. You know, if oh you, yeah, you 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 don't have to be so concerned with the wind in a combat situation um but the terrain what the what the enemy's looking at you know where are they maneuvering where are their friendly forces 
If they, if you spook, you know, in this case, if you spook a cow, then you could lose, you could lose everyone. Everyone could, the, the entire field could clear out, right? Oh, yeah. And it's the same thing. If you spook a sentry that's guarding something, your target could blow out of there and never come back. You know, you could burn a target if you go in and you mess around in an area. Well, then everyone leaves. They're not coming back there. Same thing with a bad guy. If you yeah. go and, you know, hit a bad guy's house and he's not there, he's not going back there. Yeah. And he already knows the target. So there's a lot of little things that are very cool to watch unfold. And, and you mentioned this yesterday too. There's a lot of stuff going on that you kind of have to experience. You, you know, you said, I think you said you couldn't write a book with all the little things, all little adjustments that you're making, you have to do it through experience. Some of the some of the tracking that we've done, I mean, it's kind of cool. I've, you know, I've followed you on two pretty cool um, tracks, right? Tracking yeah. this blood, yeah. seeing some of the situations and when the when the thing you know backtracks and how you pick that up and then what your actions are and so those are the kind of things I was thinking about. I was concerned. I wanted to stay back because I didn't want to mess up any blood or anything yeah. and have a backtrack happen and be like, hey, Jocko, did you see any blood over here? Hey, I just walked all over it and yeah. I don't know where it is. People do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I was, I was totally cognizant of that, and that's why I was just, you know, give you space. But, but when I would walk up at something you pointed at, and I'd say, how did you see that? <laughs> you know, blood the size, of a, the size of a pinhead. Actually, some of the blood that you pointed out you know, because some of the blood would be spaced out 10, 15 feet. Some of the big blood. Yeah. In between, there would be an actual speck of blood on a leaf. And that's what you would point out. And I'd walk up to it and I'd go, that's impressive to be able to see that. Pretty awesome. Yeah, blood's a, blood is a really, it's an, it is an amazing liquid. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't look like anything else, like, if that's out somewhere, it's yeah. You know something <laughs> went down. Yeah. You know, and it it uh, just the way that it changes, and I don't know what it like with my elk right now. I know that elk started. We found three beds, and in the third bed, there was a lot of really big clots where it had. You know, the body was trying to to jam that up, and and it was coming out at a rate to where it was like blowing out these globs. So. And when I saw that, I felt even more optimistic. But obviously, elk are big and they're tough. And this sucker had, he was so worked up, the first thing I saw from him was steam coming out of his nostrils. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he was so jacked up. And then all of a sudden, he had, for, out of nowhere, he gets, for all he knows, someone freaking stabbed him. You know, Larry freaking jacked him from the side, heard him coming and jacked him. And now he still hears all that chaos going on. And if one of those satellite bulls went by him and saw him down like that, he because every time two bulls get within 50 yards of each other right now, it's like heads down, heads down, yeah. heads sideways. And believe me, if they... If if your bull was hurt and was out there staggering, other bulls would jump on him right now. You know, they would start I've seen them just start tearing them up, you know. If it, if they were fighting previously and one's super jacked up and then sees one come in and goes down and he's thinking, "I got him." I mean, they try to finish it off. And that could be what happened or I mean, day 2, we're going after a, a bugle that we hear. We're in full stealth mode, going 
going after this bugle and I come and this is important too. You, if you're out hunting, you should always assume that you can encounter something between what you think is a target and what is there that you don't even know that's there. So even though that bugle was a ways away, we were already like, don't alarm anything between point A and point B. So we were in stealth mode. And then I came over that rise, and here's a mountain lion in full, full like, stealth approach, yeah. right? Full stock. And I just looked over and told you, I'm like, I think I've told you to come up. Yeah. I'm like, and right in front of us at, like, 25 yards is a cat in prowl mode stalking that bugle. And, I mean, we were we were following the mountain lion towards yeah. <laughs> towards the thing, and then finally we made the decision we need to get – this mountain lion out of the situation yeah so i bugled at him and he he spun around surprised like oh man my dinner's right here because he kind of turned around <laughs> like i got you and then i kind of raised up you yeah. know real tall and i didn't want to make too much noise so i just got <laughs> yeah you made like a weird cat noise and it scared the <laughs> hell out of him he took <laughs> off like a bat out of hell yeah so that sucker could have been walking around, smelled all that blood, got on that, you know, got on that, and then all of a sudden seen him, you know, seen him bedded down right there. Or maybe he was pursuing him and that elk smelled him or saw him and then just mashed on the gas. Because at one point the bull, he definitely went faster than what I would have wanted to see. And I could tell by those strides when he was going down that ridge, they were really strided out. And then he went around and he headed down towards that wallow. They were, the strides were, were pretty big. Like he was kind of on a mission to do something. And then the blood got heavier as he moved for, you know, it probably took 200 yards mm -hmm. and the blood flow picked up a really good again, going down that hill. And the fact that he finally started going downhill, I thought that's a good sign. Like he's not wanting to side hill anymore. He's not wanting to go up. And then I looked at Mort and cause I saw kind of a wallow or water a water source coming up around this corner and I thought if he's hurting he's gonna be laying right there. And I looked at Mort and he and he just goes, Wallow. And I'm like, Yep, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. And there were ten times like that where Mort and I looked at each other like yeah. the game's over right there. Yeah. And then we'd get up there and, and not. So we we ended up backing out and you know, right now, when we're done with this, we're going to go look. And, hey, everybody, as much as I want to think, you know, I do everything I can to be the, the best shot I can be, I, when I made my shot, I would have said I shot him in the heart. I might be, I might be just under it. And down there, there's not a lot going on. You'd rather be above the heart or behind it or in front of it. Underneath it is – is kind of just as much of a void as shooting above the lungs and under the spine. There's kind of, you know, a pocket of not much right there where you can shoot it and be like, it was a little high, but it wasn't a lot high, and you never find them. Because if the lungs, Peter said this, Peter told me that um, he was like dissect, he can, you know, he he shot an axis and he literally like filleted it in half so he yeah. could look at, you know, the internal anatomy. And he was telling me, he's like, do you realize how much variation you have on how high you can shoot an animal 
depending on how inflated the lungs are versus deflated. Like if they're breathing out as that passes through and it's fully deflated, you, you know, then it's again, a game of, you know, I don't know if it's truly inches, but there's definitely a difference. Right. So if it doesn't work out, you know, I learn. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to learn for, if nothing else, I'm definitely learning how to track better. You know, I definitely am learning. I probably should have put an extra five minutes on my echo bike a day. <laughs> I'm learning that. <laughs> yeah. These are some, uh, it's, it's, and this is one of the other challenges, right? It's one of the other challenges. We haven't even talked about that. Cause yeah. for you and I, that's like, I don't think that's anything we're not a hundred percent willing to go into yeah. ill prepared. Yeah. You know, that would, I couldn't imagine coming out here not being physically in shape to do what we're doing. I would feel like I would actually be like, "Hey, John, I'm not. I'm not ready. You, you should take someone else. This is not. I. I didn't do the work. I don't deserve this. That's what I'd feel like." You know? Well, and the people that that don't, they miss out on some of the coolest stuff we've seen. Was the furthest or most yeah. miserable we could have chose <laughs> to be away from our starting point yeah. is, and sometimes that doesn't, like when when we pulled up that first afternoon and we were a little bit later starting that first afternoon because we got here early afternoon. Mm-hmm. By the time we drove all the way to where we were at, uh, it, it was later in the afternoon than what we'd ideally like. But when we got out of the truck and I'm thinking, you know, hopefully he kind of gets to experience elk hunting a little bit tonight. I got out of the truck and I thought, did I just hear a bugle? <laughs> and then I heard another one, but I thought, I'm not going to s- say anything just yet. And then it was obvious. I'm like, there are elk close, <laughs> close. And and we, funny enough, because of the wind, we had to walk away from that action because if we yeah. would have went right to it, we would have just blown everything out. So we had to, we had to work – I would say a multiplier of three for effort to get away from them to then be able to make an approach to come in. And we had a lot of close encounters during that short evening hunt. Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, there was one shot that was a decent shot. I mean, it's a shot that you, uh, you would have nailed and you would have probably taken if I wasn't there, you know, the, the one that was kind of in raking his horns, raking horns and walked out. And yeah, that that was the first time I was like, okay, you know, like this is gonna happen, yeah. you know. And, and I forget. Well, well, I mean, it just didn't work out in that moment, you know. I would have needed to be more aware and, and be drawn back, ready when that thing walked out, which I wasn't. And part of it, I, I don't know. I just I wasn't thinking I needed to be, and I won't make that mistake again either. You know, that thing's in there, and he's. If you think he, if you think there's a possibility he's gonna come out, you got to be ready for it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, th- and that's why I was. There must have been something else because you didn't really tell me. You didn't really give me the like, hey, stand by. You know, we were we were still like a step away. I don't know yeah. what other thing needed to happen, but you know, you you know, you had me knocked and and I was ready, but you weren't like, okay, here it comes. And it, it might have also been the you just didn't really like that bull that much. Yeah, I think that was actually might have been the biggest role. <laughs> part of it, well, yeah, part of it was he was in some quakies just going to town and because his horns were moving so much it was really hard for me to determine hit like his age and it was also 
I didn't want you to shoot something that had like half of his headgear missing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm I'm trying like I'd hate to shoot something and all he has is these awesome three horns on the top and everything underneath is just completely busted off and you just kind of have like two pitchforks instead of having like full blown like grizzly claws, you know what yeah. I mean? So I was trying to determine that and and part of me thought if I decide that we're going to go on this for that situation, I honestly thought if we decide this is for how entertained he was with going to town on that, I thought he was going to eventually turn to where he'd be kind of facing away from us. And I was going to take you right in. Oh, okay. I was, was kind of like a cat, like just kind of yeah. dig, like digging my toes in. We closed in a lot of distance just already. You yeah. Know, with, with he was raking. We got to 40, yeah. 41. Yeah. And he was in there raking. And I thought, okay, if he – if he turns just the right way, I was going to go up to like our 2 o'clock because the way those quakies were, I was just going to break up and to the right, and then I was just going to – I was literally going to say tension on the string and just kind of pull you by your shirt and just let you jack this thing at 10 <laughs> yards while he's, while he's just beasting up a tree. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of my plan. I wasn't thinking – Okay, we're just gonna let him do his thing, and then when he strolls out here with, you know, strolls out here to stretch, then we're gonna jack him. I th no, I thought we were gonna go like full blown mugging. I like it. <laughs> I like it. And that that night, I was actually happy that you did not get something. Yeah, for sure. It was. I'm absolutely. I, I the, all the other experiences, all the other tactics that I got to see employed, and just the experience of of seeing multiple scenarios unfold that's where i'm learning so yeah. that that was definitely not that i wouldn't have gone out with you again and we would have done a bunch of different scenarios but let's face it when when you're the one that's going to be pulling it back you're 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 going to be paying attention and you're going to be a little bit more focused on what's happening this is an amazing hunt and there's no doubt you know i i would love to have success here but i told you i think maybe a month before we got here i said I'm not shooting until, until you, you know, until your tag is is fulfilled. Like I'm, you're literally on my hip. I'm gonna, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to talk with you about everything that was going on. And one of the things that I don't particularly care for within our hunting community is there's a lot of people that are super passionate about public land hunting, DIY. And believe me, I did that mm -hmm. for a long, long time. But also, I learned pretty quick that when you're not having encounters, you're also really not well, – all you're learning is where not to go. But you're not really learning – like, you don't learn about interaction with animals if you don't have animals yeah, around you. if you're you. not interacting with You animals. don't learn how to track blood to where even if you make a marginal hit in the – the animal's dead. If you don't track a lot, there's a very good chance that you find that that animal dead after it's already been eaten, and you're like, oh, he was right. You know, maybe you go out shed hunting, and then you realize, oh, that thing was only 50 yards from where I stopped looking. Mm -hmm. So having having opportunity magnifies experience, and when you're if you're trying to really become good at something you have to 
you have to be in the moment more often than not in the moment. So like when I took my wife or my son hunting for the first time, you know, I paid to go somewhere where there was, I knew there was going to be a lot of opportunities. I, you know, I could have taken them on a DIY hog hunt somewhere, but I also thought I'm going to take them somewhere where there's so many hogs that they want people to come in here. You know, yeah, they're making a living by people coming in and shooting all their hogs, yep. but I wanted them to every night or morning have some type of an opportunity to where when they came away with that, they learned 10 things from five hunts. Yeah. And I think it's important that we realize that is a really good thing. You know, a place like this that is a very, you know, it's a massive private land place. And, you know, there's there's more elk because obviously they don't let you hunt particular areas because you know they're not they don't want you to blow everything out of here so you're you're somewhat being um i don't know i think you're being conservative as you as you hunt aggressively maybe that's a a way to say it but places like this like you know rogan came here and he said this is just for me i've got five days a year where i can hunt Mm -hmm. and he and you know he, four, four day, three days, he did not have success. And he's like, we tried to do a stock, but then he saw this and I got busted. I mean, that was a learning. Every single time was a learning experience. So I like that it took us a while before you got your shot. And I'm also thankful that through that blood, that whole blood trail situation and like I never prepped you for the fact of, hey man, you can, like I I never said you can make a bad hit, and then, well I never said you're gonna make a bad hit. You could make a bad hit, mm-hmm. and we might not find it right away, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna go to sleep feeling like shit. Yep. You're gonna wake up feeling terrible, and everyone around you is gonna want to help you, and they're all gonna go out there, and there's a possibility that everyone busts their ass, and then you just effed it up and everyone's going to know it. Everyone's going to know it. And you're going to live with the fact that you shot something and it didn't die. Yeah. I never said that, but I knew it. But after, (laughs) but after, yeah, most people say, I don't want to shoot something if I'm not, you know, I don't want to shoot at something and then not get it hundred percent. But once you've shot something and you realize there is a possibility, I'm not going to, that's not something I can prepare you for yeah. in any way. That that situation there is 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 gonna hurt in your guts. I mean, it it does. But the fact that we followed that and had to back out, you know, you're probably like, oh dang! So now we're gonna leave, and then you know, I think some different scenarios sank in that you probably hadn't fully processed yet. And then luckily we went in there, picked up on it, and you saw, well, you understood the reasoning of why why we backed out. But then when we found it, we realized that even though it was a bad hit, that animal didn't suffer. I mean, you know, you literally, it'd be like, you know, someone come, I said that, like someone just walking up with a knife and just sliding it under your, you know, the inside of your bicep and just like never hitting the bone, but just 
slicing your artery underneath your arm and then you're you're kind of walking around someone's like hey dude you're bleeding and you're like oh really and then all of a sudden you're like i don't feel so good and you're dead yeah so it was it was comforting to know even though your hit was bad there's no doubt he did not suffer and and he was expired fast we just you know we made a, a wrong turn on a blood trail he was running all around doing all kinds of stuff so it was hard to find the <clears throat> the directions he was moving. So, and luckily, it was cold enough at night. You didn't have any, you know, any meat spoil, you know. Um, so, in a way, it was it was the best out of a bad situation, and it was an incredible opportunity for you to to learn something. Like I said, like to know about that stuff to write down in in a book. And, or, you know, to write those types of things, I feel like it, I don't feel like you could accurately do it unless you just dedicated your, uh, to a, like the book that no one wants to talk about, or, you know, the hard things you have to live with that there's no explanation to it. It would be tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, somebody asked me when I got back, so they said something like, Hey, are you excited? I said, uh, they said, Oh, you, you did a good job something like that. And I said, you know what? I I got lucky. You know, I got lucky where that where that shot ended up hitting, and I'm excited. But I definitely, you know, it's ta- it's tapered. It's tapered because I know I made mistakes and I learned, and I'm happy that, like you said, I'm happy that that we got it and that it didn't. You know, it wasn't it didn't die a miserable death for for two, three, four days or whatever. Yeah. No, it, it was dead pretty quick, and yeah, so, man, I, I I don't want to say I couldn't have had it any better, but for the amount that I learned from one experience, and, of course, if I could have had the perfect shot, that'd be great. And, I, you know, you and I could high-five, and, you know, I'd be, you know, sticking my chest out. But that's not the way life is, man. Life no. is humbling, and you're going to make mistakes. And I make mistakes, you make mistakes, we all make mistakes. But what do you do when you make mistakes? Just like you did, you know? You weren't freaking out. When I made a mistake – you you weren't freaking out. You didn't you didn't say what what the hell were you thinking? You said what did you have your range on? I said thirty five, and I kind of said it like well that's what you told me. You said you didn't hear me say fifty two. I said no, and you said okay, let's go. It was it was like discussion over, man. It happened. The the it's the the milk is on the floor. Let's go finish the job. Let's go do it. And just that experience to see you in that situation, with you know with me. For me to be, and, and I'm sure you saw my reaction. I didn't freak out. I was like, okay, what, you know, what are we doing? We're moving. Okay, let's go. Here's blood. Let's go. You know, like that's what we're doing. And I think that's things aren't going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. When you make a mistake, in in bow hunting, in archery, in life, when you make a mistake, learn from it, get the job done, continue on your mission. I tell people often, especially especially people who I've coached that are in competitions and you know, the cards aren't falling the way that they want. A lot of times they're, I don't see the finger getting pointed back at themselves. And I tell them, I'm like, the most important lesson for you to learn right now is that when they're, when these things happen, instead of you pointing away from your body, every time you should point at yourself mm-hmm. and deal with that. And there might be a completely different, unfolding next time it happens you know the hardest thing is to take a finger that you're literally pointing at 12 o'clock well you know anywhere anywhere from 
from seven to five that you can point a finger, you have to point it to six. And if you can do that, you know, when we got back to the truck uh, that night and, you know, maybe, maybe our penalty for, maybe our penalty for miscommunication was, all right, you guys didn't fully communicate. There was a breakdown and, Here's the penalty. You're gonna walk. <laughs> You're gonna walk. Right. A lot. It felt like if there's like a higher power that it was is like most coaches I've ever had that were decent. Like if there's a breakdown and they kind of want you to you know to think about it, like yep. roast on it a little bit. We roasted. I roasted. <laughs> I know that. I roasted. He roasted. Sure. Almost broke tibula and fibula. <laughs> you you stepped in a badger hole. Like to the bottom of your knee pad in the pitch black yeah. dark, we're walking. You know, I'm doing my best to to keep my tongue from drying up and like <laughs> falling out of my mouth. And all of a sudden, and I told you, if, I said, "Have you seen a few of these holes?" Yeah. And you're like, and I kind of said they're mainly in the middle of the road. And 20 minutes later, I just see you go from five eight or whatever you are to like four foot eleven. <laughs> and I look at you, I'm like. I said, did you just break, roll your ankle? And you're just like, nope, I'm good. And then, <laughs> and then now, a day later, you're like, yeah, it wasn't the best. I just didn't want it. I didn't. I'm not. I'm not a complainer. Yeah, we just uh, we humped out for. Other than saying, I'm going to stop, and you know, does anyone have any water? Let me work on this two ounces of Gatorade that I'm milking out for for four miles. A little lesson learned. When we got back to the truck. And we're like taking our our uh, packs off and everything. I had been thinking about it for the hour that we walked or whatever it was. I had been thinking I should have, if I would have said two more words other than fifty two, mm-hmm. and then bugled and then fifty two, and I you know I told you I said I should have said. He's 50, he yeah. is 52, or is your sight set at 52? Like, yep. I could have said a few more words, and you're looking at me, and you're like, no. <laughs> I mean, I had been, most of that walk, I'd been thinking of how did I let him down and that's, in the communication. Me, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, what were you doing that you didn't confirm with him? Because I, I could hear you, and I was, again, I heard what I wanted to hear, which is you're cleared hot on these bulls. So I heard you well enough to assemble that in my brain. Yeah. But what I should have said was, hey, say that again. What are you saying? It's all I needed to do. Was, you could have hey. said three extra words. Yep. I could yep. have. And the scenario would have been, well, it could have been, it would have been different. Yep. I can't say it would have been, you know. There would have been some other mistake. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I would have made some other mistake. But, hey. The outcome we got. I got really lucky with the outcome because I was able to win and learn, which is which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Well, it's cracking daylight. This was an early podcast, by the way, <clears throat> and it's cracking daylight. So we're gonna go pick up on my trail. If this was live, I'd say everyone cross your fingers for me. Yeah. Uh, so if if you don't see me with the bull, then all of you will realize. I'm 100% human when it comes to making archery shots. And, yeah, I mean, I might – the cards may may fall bad for me, and, you know, and, I've, and I'm going to live with 
I'm going to live with the one that I shot and, and didn't find. And it's, it's going to, it's going to stew and hurt for, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I, I won't forget that. I'll forget. I'll remember this just as much as if I remember, you know, if I don't get it, I'll remember it just as much as if I do. So, all right, everybody. Let's go get to work, brother. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.